Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Thanks for tuning into this podcast on this Wednesday after Independence Day. This is a special podcast we put together for you to enjoy. It's three of our best rants for my radio show you may have missed. Have a good time on the radio show. Get a little into the rants sometimes. So if you're a podcast-only listener, you'll see we cover some of these stories a bit different on the radio show. Also, a reminder, we'll be back to our normal daily podcast shows this Thursday, July 7th. To find out where you can hear the Dan Bongino radio show near you, go to Bongino.com and click on Station Finder. So I appreciate your feedback about my uh, appearance with Geraldo, even though some of it was, uh, was, was negative and people thought I was a little hard on Matthew McConaughey. I, I appreciate your feedback. I'm here to respond to you, but I'm also here to tell you honestly and candidly how I feel and not to be a phony and switch masks depending on what the feedback is. I'm, I don't do focus group tested shows. I do shows based on a series of principles. And uh, I, I was kind of harsh on his policy prescriptions, although not harsh to him personally, as I said before, and I'll say again, I do believe his speech was authentic and he does come off. I watched him on Brett Baer's show on Fox afterwards as well. Matthew McConaughey does come off as a genuinely authentic and a super likable guy. He just does. He doesn't come off like a lot of these phony Hollywood types. He sounds like, like, like what do they call it, bro culture? Like a guy you'd have a beer with, even if you didn't agree with his politics. But folks, we live in the real world, okay? And it's time for new rules. I mean, you know, I get it. Like the 70% of people who agreed with me, 30% didn't. I'm sorry, you know, I got to put you through this, but maybe it'll reaffirm why we are who we are. We're conservatives. We believe in a set of inalienable rights. And if those rights are under attack by people who are likable and come smiling at us, and we just open the door and like, hey, let's smoke the peace pipe here, uh, I, I'm really sorry. Um, I will, I'm happy to discuss with you ideas. And he did say some things I think that matter. He talked about American values, family values, the mental health system breaking down, all things I'm more than willing to sit down at the table and, and, and negotiate about how we do. That was a great idea that he said that. But what I'm not willing to negotiate, am I, it's not my idea of compromise to start to forfeit away basic God-given rights. That's not compromise. There's a reason, do you understand, they're called inalienable rights. The reason is they're not open for compromise. Is that, we get that, right? I'm not negotiating away my right to defend my family. I'm happy to discuss why we the culture's rotting and why 18-year-olds have had psychic breaks and decided it was a good idea to shoot up a school full of kids. We should damn well talk about that openly and honestly and candidly. Warts and scars and bodies and all. I had to force myself to listen before. And Fox, as the parents were testifying up on Capitol Hill, one of the parents of the victims in Uvalde, Forced because it's hard to listen to, but we should. But I am not going to listen to a Hollywood actor or anyone else talk about infringements on my right to defend myself and my family because of some lunatic. I'm not doing that. If anything, the presence of the lunatic inspires me to defend my rights even harder. They're inalienable. They're mine. They're not yours. I mean, I'm trying to think again of analogies because people think in stories chronologically and narratives. 
You know, it's like someone suggesting that, you know, uh, let's come over and talk about your job. You know, I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican, let's talk about your job. Okay, we'll talk about my job. And then halfway through the speech, he goes, well, let's talk about you giving me $100,000 what you earned last week. Wait, what? I mean, we're talking about your job, right? No, that's my money. No, no, no. We figured we talk about this compromise. Compromise. We're talking about your job. That's not compromise. My money. It's not compromise for you to come in and suggest infringements on my rights. Now, fairly enough, many of you may be saying, well, what exactly did McConaughey say that you feel is an infringement on your rights? Good. Good question. Now I'm going to focus on, after his passionate retelling of what happened to these kids, and it was awful to hear, let's focus on what he actually said and what he said he supports. He supports red flag laws. Now, folks, if you heard me last night on with Geraldo on Hannity, you heard me say, ladies and gentlemen, we already have red flags. You know what they're called? They're called parents. Yeah, they're called parents. That, that's, that's what they're called. Now, some guy, after I said that on Fox last night, that we already have red flags called parents, some guy tweeted out last night, basically, that boy Cheeto's an idiot. Parents fail. That's the point, bro. You just made my point. If a parent who fails can't stop an 18-year-old from shooting a kid in the face with a 5.56 round, you think some law the kids never read is going to do that? Please explain that to me. I'd love to hear it. Maybe all of us, me, a parent included, all of us, me included, maybe all of us need to double down in this era of persistent, nonstop, 24-hour social media, violent entertainment, violent music, violent games, violent movies, hardcore porn, surrounding our kids all the time. Maybe it's our job as parents, me included, me first, Maybe it's our job to double down on our parenting skills and our attentiveness to our kids, not relying on some law because we failed. A red flag. You know what a red flag is? Your kids drawing pictures of dead bodies on the thing. Maybe you should be the one to say to the police or to a local counselor, hey, my kid's got a problem. But Dan, wouldn't a law make it easier? Uh, did you hear what I, I mean to the lefties listening who would respond the way? Did you hear what I just said? You're arguing to me in one hand like the Twitter guy did last night, who I promptly quote tweeted, right? You're arguing on one hand that the people closest to a lot of these school shooters who commit these mass murders did nothing to stop it and couldn't stop it. They could, they would. But that's some law the kids never read. That'll definitely do it. Now, you may say I like to give you both sides if you're a liberal, even if you're a Republican who really believes gun control works falsely. Sorry. Chair, the X chair there. Got out of my, that's the handles over there. You know? I do that all the time. Um, you may say to yourself, well, Dan, it's, it's, it's worth a shot. There's no downside to red flag laws. Oh, really? No, there aren't. So I say with due respect to Mr. McConaughey, who is a far better actor than me. Great. Very, what was he in? Is it Time to Kill and Interstellar and a couple of Dazed and Confused? Dazed and Confused. <laughs> Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. Contact. Great movie. Love that movie. My wife hates it. Thinks it's horrible. Love that movie. But he meant he supports red flag laws. Has he thought about the fact that the same government he wants to empower 
to take away your constitutional right to protect yourself using a firearm that shall not be infringed. Has he thought about the fact that that same government has been caught spying on its citizens? Yeah, that's a fact. You ever hear Jim Clapper up on Capitol Hill lying about it? Have you ever spied on Americans? I believe he was asked that by a Democrat. I think he was asked by Ron Wyden. Of, uh, of I'm, I'm pretty sure. Remember Jim Clapper, the old director of national intelligence? Not wittingly. Yeah, he was, he was lying about that. They were spying on Americans. Folks, that's not my opinion. That's a fact. You can go to the interwebs and look that up. So the same government that was caught spying on Americans, you want them able to put you on a list because somebody says you should be on the list. Keep in mind, they're not accusing you of any crime. There's a process for that. You know what the process is? It's called filling out a police report. You could do that. The neighbor's harassing you. That's illegal. The neighbor's aggravated harassment using electronic means. In other words, they call you on a phone. They send you an email. I'm going to kill you. That's a crime. They go to jail. But you're suggesting with red flag laws that your neighbor or someone who doesn't like you that they should be able to go to the police and have your weapons confiscated without any due process at all. And you want to give that power to a government that spies on its citizens, has admittedly spied on a presidential candidate, Donald Trump. We have the names of the spies that did it. There's an ongoing dispute. If they spied on the actual president, the evidence is strong. You're going to turn that power, that red flag power over to them. Wait, wait a minute. Is it going to go to the intelligence community too? You're going to find yourself on a list. Is that going to be, are these, is the intelligence community that signed the letter that said the uh, laptop from Hunter Biden, where Hunter Biden signed for the laptop using Hunter Biden's signature, Hunter Biden's phone number, Hunter Biden's address, an actual Hunter Biden who showed, Hunter Biden who showed up at the laptop. Remember they said that was Russian disinformation. Are those intelligence officials going to get a hold of those red flag lists? Is it going to be the same DHS that has the power to red flag you that keeps declaring that white supremacist attacks are just right around the corner in mass as a guy shows up at Brett Kavanaugh's home last night with a gun? I don't want to be on any more lists, folks. My biggest fear is the government. Yeah, I said that right. All the lefties who listen to my show, let me repeat it again. My biggest fear is the government. Yours should be too. I've already appeared on a list. Not my opinion. Not a theory. No, I've actually appeared on a list. You can check out the story on the interwebs too. Now, I'm not alleging any illegality here. But I was on a list. When I wrote my books about the Spygate scandal and the ongoing controversy in Ukraine, remember the second Trump impeachment, I had a really good source and was all over that Ukraine story for a long time. And I found myself on a social media monitoring list that the Ukrainian embassy, Marie Ivanovich and others, they had me on that list. It wasn't just me. I think it was me, Gorka. Was it Sarah, Sarah Carter on that list? There was a couple of us. But you can go look that up. Bongino, Yovanovitch, social media. You can read the story yourself. Again, it was social media, the stuff they were monitoring. So it was public. I'm not suggesting they were intercepting my emails. I don't, I, you know, I'm not a fake news journalist like CNN or MSNBC, like here to dramatize my situation. Oh my gosh, they were reading all my emails. I don't know that. 
point is they were government officials who had me on a list to monitor my traffic. And at least it appears from the early reporting in that story that some of this may have been done or tried to have been done on government time. I already appeared on a list. So I'm going to take a really hard pass on another list and red flag laws. Because red flag laws are a red flag to me. Because if you trust your government, then again, I've got a bridge here in Martin County. I can sell you on the super, super cheap. I'll sell you for one of those uh, coins, those uh, crypto coins. It's worth nothing. Right? Just give me that. It's, I'll give you right now. I'll sign the rights over to you right now. My biggest fear is the government. And I ain't appearing on no list. Just because some neighbor said, oh, my gosh, we got a dangerous right winger. He's got guns. Yeah, I've got guns. I got a lot of them. They magically don't shoot themselves. They're all secured. I can just see it now. Neighbor heard him on the radio. Said he has guns. He's a Trump supporter. Red flag him. You trust the government? You trust the government. After the FBI thought it was a good idea to target parents who spoke up at school boards as domestic terrorists, you trust the government. And by the way, one of the accusations was, one of the investigations was because a parent had guns. No, there's no way. I'm not kidding. We just, Remember that, Jim? Discussed it on the show. So now, wouldn't that give the FBI the FBI a delicious new tool to go after this? Ah, oh, we got these red flag laws, you know. Spoke up about your kids, your kids' curriculum. You dared speak out that your kids are being taught uh, how to use plastic sex toys in kindergarten, and you've got a gun? We're going to show up at you. You won't dare speak up about that again. My biggest fear is the government. He also mentioned a couple other things. He mentioned universal background checks, too, and everybody hears that and they hear the talking point. Like, that's a great idea. Universal background checks. What they don't tell you is the overwhelming number of gun purchases right now, all of them purchased from FFLs, federally licensed firearm dealers, by the way, all of them are done via background checks. You cannot buy a gun from an FFL without a background check. Fact. Whether it happens at a gun show or there's no gun show loophole, that's a myth. But there's a reason they want universal background checks and red flag laws. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the perfect storm for this growing tyranny we call a government. They'd have a list of everybody who got the guns and then a red flag mechanism to go and take them. You got to have them both. I'll explain more about this and where Matthew McConaughey is totally missing the point. After the break, we'll be right back. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. 
Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. So I was telling you about this article in The Intercept called Elephant in the Zoom. It is, it's a, again, a left-leaning site, by the way. It is spectacular. It's about this phenomenon on the left I had been telling you about for years, about how if you sit back and do nothing, the left will eventually start eating themselves, like those cannibals from that movie Alive. Remember those guys, the, the rugby team that gets caught in the mountains and they, they, the, the Donner Party or something? You know, that, that's a true story, by the way, that both of those things, that Alive uh, story, too. They, they wound up, you know... Having to do that to stay alive, kind of tough when you're lost in there. Was it the Andes they got lost in? But the left will ideologically turn into cannibals too. Because you can't cancel people who just refuse to be canceled. It's happening now. Joe Rogan, Tucker, Dave Chappelle, Kid Rock, me, Levin. They've tried. I mean, I don't put myself in the category of those guys reach-wise. I don't want to be... Uh, 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 you know, have sound like I have some kind of an ego issue. Believe me, I do not. But they have. They've tried repeatedly. I mean, just follow any one of these lunatics. And Jim, Jim knows who I'm talking about. Until, well, they spend their entire day obsessing over me. It's a weirdest thing. Even on weekends. Even on, I'm on my back porch last weekend looking at the water, relaxing, and her tweets coming in. The Bongino, Google it. They're like nuts. I'm like, dude, it's Saturday morning. Like, go watch cartoons, the Wonder Twins or something. Like, are you really that obsessed with me? You're tweeting on a Saturday morning, you lunatics. These people are nuts, but we ignore them. They tried to cancel Rogan. He's even more popular. Tucker's ratings continue to grow. They've tried to cancel Levin, Hannity, everyone. Me, Shapiro, it, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles. It doesn't work because we just refuse to be canceled. You have to be weak to be canceled. Like that author, James Patterson. Did you see that? He put out this comment about how Hollywood and the entertainment industry has gone so woke that it's tough for an older white guy to get a job. And everybody attacked him. What he said was probably true. And they, Oh, the walk back. Did you see the walk back, Jim? I am so sorry I said that. Oh, my God. Dude, why? Just Why? Why are you doing that? The left is never going to take your apology seriously, and the right doesn't care, so why waste your time? Well, an agent told me to do whatever. Oh, stop. Stop. Do we, it reminds me of Do I have it? I hope I didn't delete it. Yes. Here. Does this sound familiar, folks? Where's this from? Here. Pick, quick pop, uh, pop quiz. This is, reminds me of when, when uh, you know, people apologize for saying something that's correct. In the end, the party would announce that two and two made five, and you'd have to believe it. It was inevitable that they should make that claim sooner or later. The logic of their position demanded it. Not merely the validity of experience, but the very existence of external reality was tacitly denied by their philosopher. <laughs> Sound familiar? It's not just that two plus two equals five. It's that you're going to believe it. That's what happens when you apologize to the left. So this Intercept piece talks about this, this uh, tumultuous environment in these lefty groups because all they do is sit around in meetings and call each other racist and worry about how they're not doing more to be anti-racist or whatever. It's called Elephant in the Zoom. Here's a quote. They said, in fact, it's hard to find a Washington-based progressive organization that hasn't been in tumult. 
or isn't current uh, isn't currently being tumultuous. Gosh, tumultuous. Just say it. You screwed. I screwed it up on the podcast too. It even reached the National Audubon Society. <laughs> National Audubon Society. National Audubon. Even these green groups and stuff. These environmental groups. Politico reported in August 2021 that at the National Audubon Society, following a botched diversity meeting, a highly critical employee survey, and the resignations of two top diversity and inclusion officials, the 600,000-member National Audubon Society is confronting allegations that it maintains a culture of retaliation, fear, and antagonism toward women and people of color, according to interviews with 13 current and former staff members. This is happening everywhere. The wokest operations out there f- stocked with these snowflakes. Are, they can't get anything done, folks. There's another story in there. I didn't want to include, uh, you know, five or six different because it's all the same theme of this uh, anti-life pro-abortion group that they can't get anything done, even with the Roe v. Wade thing, because they sit there all day and call each other, uh, call each other racist. This is what happens. When the right starts to ignore this nonsense, they turn in themselves. You have to understand they have power in this. They find this is where their meaning comes from. These are people, I, I kid you not, with very little value added to life. They have done nothing but been reared by woke parents and woke schools telling them how special they are. They're not special. They're not special. They've done nothing. They, in, a tent, in a competition with 10 swimmers, they finished 10th and they got a trophy. That's loser culture. You're the ninth loser. I've got news for you. You know what? Uh, when it, we grew up, did you remember this, Jim? The trophies, if you were in first, second, or third in like a 20-person event, maybe you got a trophy. There was a runner-up and maybe the second runner-up, and that was it. Now it's like the 42nd runner-up is little Johnny. You're not the 42nd runner-up. You're the 42nd loser. And sometimes you need to tell these kids, you lost. You were a loser today. I'm sorry. You're not a loser in life, but you were a loser today. Reminds me of my baseball coach. Coach Stan, you guys, there was none of this like, there was none of this crap about, you know, moral victories. He were on the field for one reason, to win a damn baseball game. You, I'll never forget the time I dropped the fly ball on purpose in foul territory because I didn't want the guy to tag up from third base. If you know baseball, you know what I'm talking about. I dropped it on purpose. Meanwhile, we were down by like 17 runs, and I go back in the dugout, and I'm like, you know, even though it was a dumb decision, I look at Coach Stan like, hey, man, that was really great, right? He was smart of me. That was a fast runner. He would have tagged up and he would have run, so I let it drop. He's like, you're a moron. What are you, stupid? We're down 17 runs, you idiot. It's hot. I want to get the hell. You catch that damn ball next time. You understand? In front of everyone. And you know what? I never dropped that damn fly ball again. That was Coach Stan. I love that guy. Even though I hated him at the time when he was always yelling at me, he was the best coach ever. Best coach ever. Changed my life. Made me a better person. That's not the culture you have now. This wuss culture now, this snowflake culture, the hot pocket culture, sit around watching porn, playing bad video games from the 80s. Old, they're probably playing Pong from Atari still. These kids have nothing. They add nothing to society. They are valueless. They have no skills. They've been told that even though 2 plus 2 equals 5, that they'll score well on a math test because of DEI or something like that. They've been told that the people around them are oppressing them everywhere despite growing up in the wealthiest culture in the history of humankind. They have no natural attributes at all. They add nothing to society. These are the people who've been hired by jobs because they wrote a woke essay somewhere, and they're sitting there in boardrooms now. Many of them have been promoted since they've been reared in the 90s when all this crap started, really started. And they're sitting in boardrooms right now calling each other racist all day. Now, when will this stop? 
it's going to get a little worse. So I said in the beginning of the show, this was going to be an optimistic show. They think the culture is turning around, and I think it is. The parallel economy is developing right now. I'm proud to be a part of that. I actually own ParallelEconomy.com, which was unintentional. I'm not a plug, but you get the point. It's, uh, the parallel economy is emerging right now on social media and elsewhere, where conservatives, liberty lovers, and even some moderate Democrats who are tired of this cancel culture are moving away from cancel-oriented companies. Folks, shareholders in companies, not stakeholders, shareholders, people who own the company are getting sick of this too. You're seeing it now, Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a, a pretty conservative guy when it comes to economic values, started up an investment firm that's going to invest in non-woke companies. Yeah, I think, uh, was it, uh, did Andy Puzder have something to do with the same thing? We've had him on the show before, too. This is what's happening. Conservatives are refusing to be canceled. They're building their own ecosystems from banking to payment processing to social media to web hosting to video services, all of it is being built over. It's inefficient, but it's necessary. And once it's complete, ad exchanges are being built. The left will have no power over you at all. This is, now let me just close here before I get to the next topic about why I'm optimistic about the economic future. Once that process is complete, and we're about five years away from a full separation from the leftist economy where you won't have to worry about anything, you'll have payment processing, banks, everything. I think we're about five years away. The left will have no power left at all. Their fact checkers will be numb. People will have left a lot of their social media platforms on other platforms. Then what happens? Then they're really going to start going after each other, folks. You think they're going after each other now? If they have no conservatives to cancel, I just told you, because they add no value to society at all, they are not going to want to give that up. Their, 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 their entire identity they're, they're, everything they do is about canceling people. If they can't cancel conservatives, they're going to double down on their own. You're going to see Bill Maher, Kanye West, all these people who used to have bona fides on the left, they're going to get canceled. They're going to try to cancel them. It's going to turn inwards. That's why I'm so optimistic about the future and the future of our culture. I think you need to see the rot in front of your face before you can do the transition. And I think the transition's happening now. I'm optimistic about our economic future, too. Having said that, I do have to deliver some bad news first. The bad news is, while I think we've hit rock bottom with the culture and the change has begun, I think the, and I think the inflection point was the parents being targeted as domestic terrorists for speaking out in school boards. My humble opinion, I think that was it. I think that was the transition point where everything turned around, and I don't think we're ever going back. I still think with the economy, there's still a little bit of bottom left. The market still a little frothy. I think there's still a bit of a bottom left. But I think the transition's coming soon. So the Supreme Court basically said today about this EPA case, about the EPA regulating greenhouse gas emissions, that the essence of it is you can't just make it up. If you're going to make major decisions like this, they can't be handled in the bureaucracy, the EPA, Excuse me. They have to be handled by the legislative branch that are accountable to the people. In other words, folks, very simply, you want to make a law, make a freaking law. Don't make a law nobody understands and then let the EPA interpret what the law is to mean whatever they want it to mean. You get what I'm saying? You can't write a law that says EPA shall regulate pollutants, period. And then the EPA goes, well, here's what we mean by regulate. 
We mean tax, we mean destroy, we mean this, we mean that. And then by pollutants, we mean air, water, food, scissors, remote controls, medicine, Adam Schiff, Rhino, Lego things that Lee gave me, uh, McGee gave me, sorry. It's, I'm sorry, if you're watching on Fox Nation, you're wondering what all these trinkets are on the desk. It's all stuff people have given me, including Guy. That's not what that means. The Supreme Court said today in the EPA ruling, if you are going to put out a major EPA edict that's going to affect the entire country and our energy production systems, then you damn well better write a law about it, and it better not emanate from the EPA. This is a what I was laughing at before about major decisions is that's what they refer to as the like the major decisions. But I'm like, you can't think of a better name. Like, the, I don't right, Jim. Am I crazy? Uh, we've got a new thing on the major decisions penumbra, whatever they're like. Is that major? This can we think of something a little more fancy? Try to sound a little more. I'm just saying. So uh, easy to understand. I, I joke. I kid. Sometimes I guess simplicity is best, right? So the Supreme Court basically said, if you're going to make major decisions like this that are going to affect the entire country's energy grid, you better darn well write a law about it. This is huge. Because this is something that's been on my mind for a long time. This thing they call Chevron deference, where these federal bureaucratic entities, they are deferred to for their expertise in the absence of a clearly written law. This has been happening forever. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. Just know this. It's exactly what I said before. Congress writes a bunch of unclear laws, and then they let the bureaucracy go and enforce whatever they think the law is. That's not the way any of this was supposed to work because the bureaucracy is not accountable to the people like the elected representatives are. Does that make sense, folks? Now, you may say, why didn't the founders anticipate this fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy? It is. It's the fourth branch. Oh, Dan, that's not in the Constitution, the fourth branch. It is a fourth branch. The federal bureaucracy is more powerful than any of the other three branches, right? Maybe that be a constitutional branch and the de facto constitutional branch. Well, it's become a de jure one, sadly, hence this case. Because it's one of the few mistakes the founders made. I think the founders who were a far better group of people than the politicians we have now in office. I think we can all kind of venture to say that, right? How, you know, 400 plus of the dumbest people on planet earth all got elected to Congress and the Senate. There's a few good ones up there at the same time, uh, really is causing chaos for the country. But the founding fathers had this general idea that each branch of government would jealously guard their power, which isn't unreasonable they had the founding fathers were trying to escape a system if in England, a monarchy where power was jealously guarded by the monarch. So they had every reason to believe that if they distributed and checked and balanced power across this tripartite government, that each branch would jealously guard their power. The executive's power to enforce the law, the legislative's power to uh, write the law and the judicial branch's uh, 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 ability to interpret the law. It wasn't unreasonable, but that's not what happened. What happened was we over time evolved uh, into a political system where the people up in Congress and the Senate, not all, but most of them are chumps and cowards and losers. They can't do anything else. And that's why they go into politics. Not all, but a lot. Okay. So what did chumps, cowards and losers do? They 
don't jealously guard their power. They jealously guard their seat. There's a difference. You, you get the distinction? Jim's only lining his head. He doesn't get what I'm talking about. They go, you do get it. Okay, cool. They want the seat because they have lobbyists that come in and kiss their asses. They get to go to foie gras lunches, eat fancy sushi dinners out with people. They get to be called congressmen. They, you know, they get, they, they get feted everywhere they go. They get front row seats at games, luxury boxes and all this stuff. So they want the seat. They don't want the power. Well, Dan, that is kind of a system of power to have that access. Okay, it is. But the actual power they're granted in the Constitution to vote on things as elected representatives, tax hikes, tax cuts, health care policy, farm policy, ag policy, every vote they take on the record, ladies and gentlemen, puts them on the record and at risk of losing their seats because every vote has a counterparty, right? Every vote has a counterparty. You vote for a tax cut, in a swing district, 40% of people in a district are probably going to be like, no, 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 I don't like tax cuts. Well, they love them for themselves. It's not for other people. You vote for a tax hike. Of course, conservatives are going to be like, that sucks. I don't want that. So every time they go on the record, they risk having a counterparty reaction and losing their seat, which is their real power. The foie gras lunches and the baseball game luxury tickets, right? So the founding fathers didn't anticipate this. That in order to escape taking really hard votes, but also wanting to advance your ideology, liberals and some conservatives both have kind of winked and nodded and said, hey, let's write these laws so loosely, Jim, so that nobody understands them. And then the federal bureaucracy will interpret it in my Green New Deal way without me having to go on record about the Green New Deal. And then I can go back to my constituents and say, hey, I had nothing to do with that. The EPA decided to shut down your coal power plant in West Virginia. It wasn't me. In the shower, wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't me. Remember that song? I don't know the actual words, but I know the wasn't me part. There's like a commercial about it, right? I know. I'm a terrible singer. I get it. I get it. So why do you keep singing? I don't know. I don't know. I want to smash glass all across America in our 350 stations. I have no idea why I keep saying my producer on the podcast is a professional singer. He's actually good. But that's that's the that song wasn't me. That's Congress. Did you vote for a tax hike? Wasn't me. Did you vote for health care? Wasn't me. This is what they want. The founding fathers never anticipated such a group of losers and chumps who would not take responsibility for their actions. It's the same reason they had two-year terms in Congress. They figured farmers and early industrialists would go to Congress in D.C. for two years, probably hate it so much, and go back home. That's why I didn't think of term limits. They're like, ah, hey, term limits. Nobody's going to want to do this full-time. They're going to want to get back to their actual lives. They never anticipated that these losers and zeros would want to go up there and eat their foie gras lunches with the lobbyists all the time. Oh, Congressman Bag of Donuts. You're so wonderful. Can I rub your shoulders? Oh, yeah, shoulders. Let's show you. This is what they want. They don't want to actually vote on stuff. They just want to be treated like they voted on stuff. That long explanation is the reason why this EPA decision today, I would argue, right beneath Roe, because saving lives is important, right? Roe, number one. Dobbs, Dobbs the case with, with Roe, number one. Number two, Second Amendment. You can't defend yourself. doesn't matter if you pay taxes or not. You're dead. Sorry. And what's the number one rule of the Dan Bongino show? Don't get dead. Don't get dead. So abortion, yeah, it's you getting dead fast, and we don't like that. The Second Amendment, 
helps you preventing from getting dead because you can defend yourself from deadness. You don't want to get dead. Dead is bad, right? So I would rank the EPA decision third in importance here. Only because the other two are so monumental and important. Because now it's going to force Congress to actually write laws that losers and zeros are going to have to go on the record and actually vote for. The Supreme Court said today, you want to regulate greenhouse gas emissions around the country? You write the laws, dipwads, and you sign on to it. (laughs) It's my favorite word. I'm sorry. You write the laws. Sometimes I wish this show wasn't subjected to FCC regulations. I know. Cussing's bad. I get it. I get it. But once in a blue moon, I just want to slip Queen style. What happened at the Supreme Court today is huge. It's only that Roe saves lives in the Second Amendment decision uh, on the New York case in the Supreme Court will will save lives, too. It's the only reason I rank this number three. In a milquetoast session, this would be the most groundbreaking decision. You get my point, right? It is now going to force a bunch of Republicans and Democrats, a lot of whom have been acting like chumps, to finally go on the record and say, here's what I want the law to do. I can't blame it on the bureaucracy anymore. Huge. Thanks for listening to this special episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with our normal daily podcast shows starting tomorrow, Thursday, July 7th. I'll see you there in person, ready to rock and roll. Don't miss it. You just heard Dan Bongino.